Welcome to the latest episode, episode three of the uh, Hypercraft podcast, which we're calling Volts and Bolts. Nice. Yeah, pretty good, right? <laughs> uh, Volts and Bolts podcast, and we have a very special guest with us today. She flew in specifically for us, for you, for the podcast. Uh, maybe a little bit for this car behind us also. Um, but uh, I'll let her introduce herself because she is awesome. And realistically, I just met her myself, so I don't have a lot to say. So, uh, Alana. Alana. Go ahead, introduce yourself <laughs> and tell us who you are. Amazing. Um, well, I am Alana Carter. I'm the full-time driver for the Scalar Performance at CR1. Um, I dabble in a little bit of other racing as well. Um, but yeah, we're excited to be here getting the SCR1 back on track this weekend. Cool. And uh, what's the plan for the, for the racing? Is it, just tell us a little about the race. Um, we are racing in the NASA Super Touring 2 class. Mm -hmm. um, we raced with them back at Hyperfest. And then this is the first time we're getting it back out since, just because we needed to do a bit of upgrades, um, installed a new chiller plate in the car so that hopefully we'll keep the temps a little bit lower. And um, yeah, we're racing with NASA. We're out at Utah Motorsports Campus, which I've never been to before, but nice. it looks like a lot of fun. Yeah. I've heard really good things. And yeah, I'm just so excited to get this car back out there. We've done awesome. a little bit of improvements with it since last time I drove it. So we've got a bit of shorter gearing. So we'll have a little bit of get, a little bit more get up and go out of the corners. Okay, cool. Um, which I think will definitely be our friend because top speed probably shouldn't matter as much at this track okay. as it did at VIR, but yeah. And what top speeds are you hitting at VIR? We hit uh, 145 miles an hour, I think it is. My brain speaks in kilometers. Okay. Well, I mean, that's... <laughs> What is that, three, no, two? 230, 233, 233 kilometers yeah. was our top speed so okay. far. Um, we think that our top speed is going to be a little bit higher now, but we're going to reach it sooner and okay. stay there. That's we're awesome. Before, like, we're not actually sure if we were really maxing it out because our straight wasn't long enough, uh -huh. but it took us longer to get going a little bit out of the corners. Okay, so you're trying to maximize that power that you've got then yeah. earlier on. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, do you want to tell us about the car a little bit? Sure. As much as you can? Yeah. Okay. Um, I guess you guys don't know about it at all or well, I mean, the I whole spiel? I mean, <laughs> I mean, I mean, we know who it is. We know yeah. about it. And we talked to Joel and Brian and they told us a little bit about it. Mm -hmm. But just remind us what, what this car is and, and why it's important. Yeah. So the, the SCR1 is the first fully electric touring car in North America. Mm -hmm. Um it is a GR86 chassis, fully converted to electric. Um, yeah, the, the battery pack runs through the middle of the car, kind of in like an eye shape. So the weight distribution is really nice, mm -hmm. which is one of the biggest differences I've noticed with this car. Um, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Um, and how does this compare to other cars that you've driven? Um, it's probably one of my favorite ones, to be honest. Really? Um, I think I'm going to like it even more now that we've got some shorter gearing. Mm -hmm. Um, last time it was just a little bit slow coming out of the corners, but then once it got up to speed, then I was just soaring past people on awesome. the back straight. Like it was crazy awesome. how easily I could walk past them. Awesome. Um, it's super well balanced, very friendly, like... 
it's so dialed in. Awesome. It's I had so much fun driving it at VAR, and I'm so excited to get back out there again. Awesome. Um, an interesting thing that's probably one of my weird favorite things that I didn't expect to love about it so much uh -huh. is because you don't have the combustion, like the heat coming off of the combustion motor. Oh. So when you're sitting at grid, that was the most comfortable I've you're ever not been. Roasting. Yeah. Yeah. Like it was hot when we were at VIR as it uh -huh. normally is. Yeah. And I was racing both our gas powered version and this car over mm -hmm. the weekend and like when I was in the combustion car, I was just melting. I was mm -hmm. like, I need to turn it off. I need to cool down. This car, I could have sat in it all day. That's awesome. It was so I, comfortable. I had never considered that from a driver's right? perspective. Yeah. Yeah, I and, never would have thought of it before. And there's before. no air in either one of those cars, right? Um, there's no, like, air conditioning. No, no. Yeah, yeah. so you're, you're relying on airflow coming into the car when you're moving. Yeah. And so if you're stuck at the grid, you are just having still air. Yes. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. We have a little bit of ventilation in our gas car now. Uh, so we've got like some furnace venting yeah. coming in and nice. that helps a lot. Nice. But in this car, we don't need it. It's so comfortable. That's awesome. Okay, so tell us, you told us about you, how you're involved with the Scalar car. Mm -hmm. um, tell us about your racing past, your history. How did you get to where you are today? Yeah, so. um, a big part of that credit goes to my dad. Shout out dad. He's still racing. That's awesome. He's uh, in his 60s and he's still racing a Durley model. Nice. Um, but yeah, he got me into racing I got my first race car when I was 11. I started in a 91 Accord on the oval track. Nice. Um, and a, An Accord on an oval track. Yep. Interesting. Believe it or not. Yeah. And uh, I got my first track championship at 13 years old. And um, yeah, and then I switched over to dirt and kind of didn't look back after uh -huh. I went back to dirt. I had a Fox body Mustang uh -huh. and did very well. That car was just... It was so much fun. You just didn't lift. You just yeah. held it sideways the whole way around. Wow. Um, I had a lot of fun in that class. Then I upgraded to a dirt track late model. So huge jump in horsepower. And is a late model, is that where it's more built for, it's not just a standard body? Correct. Okay. Yeah, so it's a tube chassis, mm -hmm. um, purpose built for this. They, they actually have like rear steer. So when the shocks load up, oh, the dang. rear end pivots out and kind of like, drives around the car, which is super cool. Wow. Um, so yeah, I made a pretty significant jump from the Fox Body Mustang to uh, the late model. Late model is about 620 horsepower. Um, so What was your Fox Body at? About, I wanna say like 180, not much. So it was all yeah. stock basically. Yeah. yeah, yeah, we didn't do much to it. Wow. Um, That's a huge jump. Yeah, and they drive so differently. Like. In the late model, if the car is not turning, you need to give it more throttle, and it's kind of terrifying. And it took me wow quite a while to get used to it, because like that car, you really have to commit to it. There's yeah. no way to like ease yourself into it, because it's more similar to like an aero car, where if you don't use it properly, uh -huh. it doesn't do its yep. job. Yep. So you got to go full send, yeah. full send or no send. <laughs> That's crazy to yeah. go from 180 to six. You said. Yeah. That's a huge jump. Yeah, so it took me a few years to get used to it, and then I got comfortable with it. Um, I was the youngest ever and the first ever woman to win the Western Cup Memorial Championship. That's amazing. So I've still got my name on that trophy. Awesome. Um, and then I kind of hit like a make or break it point where I graduated university, needed to like either decide if I was 
going to quit racing because it mm -hmm. was really hard to maintain as a hobby. Yeah. Um, or if I wanted to go full send with it. Yeah. And I chose the latter. Yeah. Um, and We're I glad you made that choice. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> so far, so good. Are they? Too, too bad. There's more. That we, we'll have time for that. Are they driving inside or outside? Inside. <laughs> Just tell Ryan to drive right past us. Come on. That's amazing. Just don't hit this car. Hi. Are yeah, just... this car looks like in slightly better condition. Are you testing it? No, someone said they wanted it over by the oh. area. Is that is that in frame? No, perfect. Good. Yeah, this is good. Yeah, thank you. Look, you got it. You were you were worried you weren't <laughs> going to get it, and you got it. It came to us. What are we talking about? Cars. Cars. Oh, uh, oh, uh, graduated university. Oh, yeah. Full send. Full I said, send. we're glad you yeah. decided to go full send. Yes. Um, so what does full send mean? To so explain to us what that means to Alana. My version of full send was I got to figure out how to make racing sustainable for mm -hmm. myself and, and try to make a career out of it. Uh -huh. Luckily, you get away with a lot more when you're young. And I'm like, it's a lot easier for me to be broke when yeah. I'm in my yeah. early 20s. Uh, I can always move back in with my parents. Mm -hmm. And you know what? My dad's a car person. Yeah. He would not be disappointed if I went bankrupt because yeah. of race cars. I assume he's very supportive of the choice. So. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm the first person in my family who's decided to actually like go further with uh -huh. racing. Everyone in my family has raced. Really? Like my mom used to race. My brother races. My dad races. All of my uncles race. Like it's okay. my family. So sport. it runs in the family then. Yeah. But all, but all hobby. Yes. All those people are hobby racers. All hobby. Okay. Um, most of them stayed at like the stock car level in like Thunder Car class and stuff. Cool. Um, and my dad and brother are both running late models right now. Okay. Yeah. All dirt? Um, Mostly dirt? Some dirt? My, my like dad and my brother are the only ones that are doing dirt right now. Okay. Everyone else stayed pavement. Okay. It's cleaner. Yeah. <laughs> that, yeah it is much cleaner. <laughs> yeah. Um, Okay, so you moved up, you decided to go full send, you're racing professionally now. Mm -hmm. Is that correct? Can this you call is, it professionally racing? This is my first year of like pro, yeah, yeah I mean, pro. There's nothing else to it call it, It feels right? weird to say it because yeah. it's like I don't make my living off of yeah. it, but I am doing it. Hey, I did this professionally for a couple of years and didn't make any money off of yeah. it, so it, I, think, I think we can call it professional. <laughs> so. Yeah. Um, so you, so what got you from doing those kinds of racing? Was there, was there some kind of a transition that got you into this car specifically when you went pro? Yeah. So, um, I actually started with, I grew up in Alberta mm -hmm. in, a, in a smaller town where Canada, Canada, sorry, <laughs> um, where there's not a lot of industry for racing out there. So I kind of knew I needed to move to Toronto. Mm -hmm. Um, so I moved to the big city packed my Jetta TDI and my two cats and drove across the country. Dang. Um, and I got a job at our club, actually, on my shirt. Cool. Um, it's a private car club uh, where we have luxury cars. Yeah, we've got uh, luxury cars, exotic cars. Um, and part of my job there is to teach people how to drive on the racetrack. 
Um, oh, cool. So I met a lot of really cool people. That's where I met Brian and Joel. Um, and then, yeah, I was kind of involved in like day one, like mm -hmm. when, when it was just an idea uh -huh. and they were pitching it at me. I was like, this is amazing. That's cool. Yes, I want to be involved in this. Um, and then, yeah, very early this year, Brian asked me if I wanted to be the driver and I don't think I could have said yes quicker. Uh -huh. Like, yeah. yes, please, yeah. yes. Yeah. Um, and so you said you drive the gas and the electric version of this car. Yeah. Um, is this your first time driving the GR86 chassis or have you driven one before? I have driven um, an FRS before, so okay. same Basically thing. Same. Yeah. same, same, but different. Yeah. Um, so my first ever endurance race was in an FRS and it, it's just such a great chassis. That's what I hear. They're so friendly. Um, such a good amount of horsepower where like if you mat it, you can get it to power over steer a little bit, mm -hmm. but then it kind of runs out of juice and straightens uh -huh. itself out. Yeah. Like you can get so confident in yeah. these cars. Um, yeah, these cars have taught me a lot. It's, That's cool. I really appreciate them. So knowing that this has had modifications done to the center bottom of the entire car to get the battery in there and to mm -hmm. get the weight low, how, and obviously a lot of that has, was intentional to get the balance a certain way in this car. So how different does this control or maneuver compared to a stock FRS or BRZ or? This one's quite 86? a bit more um, neutral. Mm -hmm. I find uh, the stock, the more stock GR86, like it's much better now that we've done some more modifications to it. But when it was more stock, um, we had quite a bit of understeer mm -hmm. and it wanted to snow plow through some corners a bit more. This car is just, it's so neutral. Yeah. Like it's, it'll understeer if you tell it to, it'll oversteer if you tell it to. Yeah. But if you tell it to go in the right direction, it will also do that. Yeah, um, yeah. it's it's so friendly. So, I'm just like looking at it longingly. I love this car. <laughs> <laughs> so as someone who has instructed and also races, what makes the neutral nature of this car special? Or is it special or is it desirable or is it better to be neutral or a little, you know, rear happy or a little front happy? Like what, what, tell us a little bit about why that would be important. Um, I would say it's a little bit more predictable. Mm -hmm. So when something gets out of line or not yeah. perfect, like the way you want it to be, um, it doesn't, the weight doesn't continue to go around as aggressively. Mm -hmm. Like if it had more weight to the rear or to the front, yeah. Um, like mid-engine cars or rear-engine cars, when they go around, the weight keeps going. Mm -hmm. um, but with this one, it's just so much easier to bring it back in line because mm -hmm. that weight is like perfectly distributed across the car. Yeah. So. And the reason I ask that is because I know the Scalar SCR1 is something that people can buy, right? Yes. So. That, that seems favorable to all levels of racers because an experienced driver can handle something with neutral, but it seems like that'd be an ideal way for someone who doesn't have a lot of experience to learn how to drive absolutely. quickly and aggressively. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. You'd get a lot more comfortable. Um, the car is very predictable, which is what I really like. Yeah. Like it doesn't, there's no snap oversteer. There's no, um, it doesn't do anything that yeah. you don't expect it to, which is super cool. That's cool. Um, it is also fun that there's only one gear in it right now. Yeah. So get to drive. You can left foot brake. You don't have to worry about shifting. Uh -huh. um, you get to just focus on 
your line and yeah. your race craft. And there's not a lot else to stress about, which is kind of cool. Yeah. And I think that's the next obvious question is that you've driven in FRS, you said? Mm -hmm. So FRS, GR86, uh, those are what, two liter gas? What, are they, what is the... Anyway, it's a, it's a gas motor. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, don't, I, don't, I don't need to look dumb. But so like those, the, you know, the BRZ, the GR86, like the older ones were 180 maybe. Yeah, around there. Newer ones maybe 220-ish, two liter maybe motors. We're pretty smart, right? We, we know, think we, so. We know these things. Yeah. We need to Google sure. that. Um, so this is obviously not a two liter motor. It's not a gas motor mm -hmm. and it is not 200 horsepower. Correct. So tell us, I mean... I think we've already indicated this is an electric car, but tell us what is what powers this car and how it's different and why it's special and why it's cool and exciting. Yeah, so we with the electric uh, motor, we get the instant electric torque, which is awesome. Do you obviously. know how much torque is in this? Off the top of my head, I don't. I think it's... I don't have my phone I can't me, remember either. But it's on the website. I'll put it right here. Yeah. Okay. So it's got this much torque. Yeah. And it's got... So the this horsepower, horsepower is variable. Okay. Oh, um, tell us about that. So we, what's going to be really cool about this car is that end goal, um, uh, we can pretty much have, this car can run in so many different classes because we can just modulate it mm -hmm. and have a 180 horsepower car. Mm -hmm. Or it can go upwards of, I think, up to 500. Um, I believe so, yeah. Last time we were running it, I believe we had it running around the 350 mark. Mm -hmm. Um, I was comfortably playing with uh, Club Sport, like a Cayman Club Sport and oh. uh, a Mustang GT350. So like, nice. it's pretty competitive. Wow, um, that's 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 a good that's a good comparison. Yeah, because I think a lot of people are not really sure what that num how, how that number translates. Yeah, and more importantly, you know how that how does that compare with what, what we understand? That is a really good indicator of the performance. Yeah, like last time so. we were at VIR, we were running sub two tens. We were running about two oh eights. Um, a 205 definitely exists for that car, but uh -huh. we were starting, the track was pretty greasy when we were there and mm -hmm. it was also my first time out there. Um, but yeah, like competitive lap times. Awesome. Yeah. That's got to feel good too. Like, does it confuse people when you pass them or do, do they know because they are racing against you that you're in a, a special car? I don't know. Uh, like it was funny when we had both cars out. Even like the the officials at VAR, they were like, we can't really tell the difference, but all we know is the one with the that blinks goes really fast. <laughs> oh, that's really funny. Yeah, I, yeah, it would be confusing if you were racing against someone and you had the gas car out one time and you had the electric car out the other time, and you're like, wait, what did they do to that car in the, between the laps? You know, like, yeah, how does this how does this make sense? So yeah. I always uh, wonder what's going through people's heads. They're like this. GR86, like, uh -huh. how is it passing my yeah. Mustang? <laughs> and and do you think that they can hear the difference when, or is there too much noise in, in, in a race car to really to hear the difference between the two cars? I highly doubt they can hear yeah. me because they're, Helmet and, yeah. well, and their own engine is probably so loud. Yeah. I can hear them coming up on me, which okay. is really cool. Oh, yeah. Um, except for at higher speeds, because we do have straight cut gears in this car. Uh -huh. um, it does scream quite a bit uh -huh. at, which like, sounds great. I've heard oh, it. It yeah. sounds phenomenal. Yeah. And actually, that's something I should touch on. Um, I'm very grateful for that in this car because... For the straight cut gears specifically? For the straight okay. cut gears, it because it is my only form of audio feedback. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of my only indicator of how fast I'm going. Mm -hmm. Because 
when we drive normal race cars, I tend to know like how fast a corner is based on gears. Mm -hmm. So it's like, this is a second gear corner. Mm -hmm. At this point, I should be at like the top end of five. Yep. I don't have that in this car. Yeah. So like, I can imagine that driving an EV, like if you were to track a Tesla, it must be very disorienting because you might actually have to look at the speedometer. Yeah, yeah. You don't know how fast you're going. Yeah. Um, but in this car, having the straight cut gears and that screaming audio mm -hmm. feedback is actually super useful. So rather than knowing that it's a second gear corner or a fourth gear corner, you're hearing the RPMs of the gears and going, oh, that's a little bit too fast for this. Because that's the only indicator you have is how fast, because it's the RPMs of the gears that you're hearing is the, the meshing. And that, since there's only one gear, yeah. you're hearing zero to however many RPMs comes out of those teeth. So yeah, yeah, it's very interesting. Um, well, cool. I'm trying to think of other questions I have. Uh, what questions do you have? Oh, no, no, this is, this is my, I forgot, this is my podcast, so you can't ask questions. I was like, I don't know if I have any questions. Well, I was putting you on the spot. It was, it was a test. Yeah. And you handled it just the way I hoped you would, which oh, was good. to just... Stare blankly? Hey, this is not my problem. This yeah. is your podcast. Um, <laughs> what, what I was going to say is, um, okay, talk to us about the future of electric racing, because you have experience with both and you're racing this thing right now. So tell us what, and obviously you can't predict the future, but what, what, do, you, what do you foresee? What do you hope for? What do you expect to see um, with EVs on racetracks? I mean, I think the pipe dream is to do a spec class mm -hmm. of EVs similar to this. Um, I think that, I mean, being a purist myself, mm -hmm. I hope that they don't take over entirely, mm -hmm. but I do think that they deserve a respectful category. Yeah. They're fun. Mm -hmm. Like, if you are a motorsports enthusiast, mm -hmm. you gotta love this. You can't deny how yeah. awesome this is. Yeah. Um, but I also do understand, like, I love a good combustion motor. Yeah. My dirt car was, like, still had a carburetor on it. I yeah. love it. Um, so, yeah, I do think that the classes will definitely grow and it will become a, a pr more prominent space mm -hmm. in racing. Um, but I don't know for sure. I think a lot more people are going to become open to it. Yeah. And hopefully as people become more welcoming to EV racing, maybe it'll help them adopt EVs in their normal lives yeah. as well. Um, and we're already starting to see it around yeah. here. Everyone... Who, like, I, when we were at Hyperfest, there was so many people that were purists that never would have had an EV, and then they saw ours, and they're like, okay, it's kind of cool. Okay, that's, that's okay, cool. Yeah, maybe yeah. I would drive that. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so uh, one of the things that I find most interesting about this particular car, and, and this, I mean, I know this is the first that's doing it, is it's an electric car racing against gas cars. Yes. To me, that is so cool. Yeah. And that's a sanctioned race, and so... Do you have any thoughts on that? I mean, you kind of covered that a little bit with, you know, having categories and things like that. But what are your thoughts on gas versus electric on the track? Literally head to head in divisions like this. What, what are your thoughts on that? It's super, like, it's super cool. Yeah. I feel very, I'm very grateful that, that yeah. NASA has actually allowed us to do that because yeah. they're definitely taking on a, taking a chance sure. by letting us do that. Um, we are actually running a class above what we think the car will be 
respectfully placed in. Mm -hmm. um, so to be honest, we think it will be more competitive in like the Super Touring 3 class. Okay. But we're running Super Touring 2 just because like, we kind of don't really know what to expect. Like yeah. if we go out there and absolutely smoke everyone, mm -hmm. The people who are running for championship yes. points are going to be pretty mad at yes. us. Yeah. yeah so yeah. we're we're treading carefully and we're trying to be respectful of the people who are out there competing. Um, but it's fun yeah. and it's cool to see where it performs better than the other cars. Like especially when we were at VIR, um, because we didn't have our gearing nailed down mm -hmm. yet, um, we didn't really get to reap the benefits of that instant electric torque because okay. it was just lugging a little bit out of the corners um but then once we got up to speed it was a rocket ship mm -hmm. and like all of these other cars were maxing out yeah and i was just flying by them like it was incredible it was such uh -huh. a crazy experience to just as the other cars were maxing out we kept building uh -huh. yep. and we kept going faster and faster and i was like Ooh, by the time I got to the braking zone, I was like, oh my God. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> We're going fast. Yeah. Um, but it's it's been fun. I'm really impressed with how a lot of people have actually like welcomed us with open arms, yeah. which I wasn't expecting. Yeah. I expected a lot more people to be offended that we're trying to make an electric race car, but people love it. Yeah. I think because like Scalar has done such a good job. They have not skipped out on any single detail on mm -hmm. this car. Like even the roll cage is immaculate. Mm -hmm. Like everything is so well done yeah. that it's like, even if you don't like EVs, people are looking at the build and going, yep. oh, that's a nice race car. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's been cool. Yeah. Talking to Brian and Joel, um, I mean, they're, they're, they're racers and yeah. this, is a ra this is a race car built for racers by racers. Yeah. It's not, it's not a, a garage project. It's not, it, this is a quality product made by people who care about stuff. And I'm not just saying that because they're our customers, but because it, <laughs> it's, it's genuinely, they care about this stuff. And you, you brought it up just a minute ago when you said, you know, you don't want to embarrass other people by, you know, you know, they're, they're chasing points and you're kind of shaking this out, trying to figure this out. That's what the, that's what Scalar has always been. It, to, in my mind, is if, from hearing from Brian and Joel is they want to be competitive. They want not to destroy people and embarrass people. It's not about that. It's about it's about competing. Yeah. Like, they love competing. They wanna they wanna compete on the track and they wanna have fun. And one of the things that they said was, you know, we were sick of fixing our cars all the time. Yeah. You know? So this lets us race more and be in the pits less, trying to fix things to get back on the track. You know. Uh, and obviously there's still a ton of, you know, development needs to be done for that to be, you know, truly maximized. And, you know, obviously things aren't completely trouble free, but, um, yeah, I mean, they, they are racers that want to race and they found a solution that let them race more. And I think that's really cool. Yeah. So, yeah. That's another thing I, I, as just before you said it, I was yeah. like, oh yeah, that's, what's really cool about these cars is they really should be like the ultimate turnkey solution. Mm -hmm. Essentially there's such less work um even if you were to blow a motor the motor is tiny you mm -hmm. just replace it yeah. you know yeah um we don't have to do the regular oil changes and it's yeah it's very cool yeah um yeah it was funny once the infrastructure gets there that we have like proper charging solutions mm -hmm. at racetracks it's just going to be so perfect yeah 
but it was actually really funny when we were at Hyperfest. We had to bring a big diesel generator yeah. to charge our electric race car. Yep. And we ended up putting a sign on it that was like, yes, we know it's ironic. <laughs> it's all part of development. We'll get there. Well, that's the thing is I, there is that contingent of the electrified industry that they are wanting to you know, improve the environment. And there are definitely benefits with electrical uh, cars, electric cars and things like that. But then there's the other side of the coin, which is we just want to go fast and we want to have fun. You yeah. know what I mean? If that means running a generator to charge up, that's fine. We just want to have fun and go fast. Yeah. So either we can pour gas in or we can run this thing and charge it up, but we just want to go have fun. And so I think that's where a lot of Hypercraft customers are coming from is, look, like the environment is important and we want to be cognizant of that, but realistically, we just want to have fun, you know? So yeah. this lets us do that and it lets us, you know, fix less and drive more. So I think that's pretty exciting. Um, let's see, final thoughts. Um, I'm excited to see where you go with this, uh, this, this scalar car. Um, what are your hopes and goals for this season and future seasons? With, with the electric with, car with the electric or car? personally? Both, let's okay. talk both. Yeah, yeah. Um, what do you hope to achieve with this car? You know, obviously you're still working out bugs and things like that, yeah. but what are you hoping to get to with this personally and then also for your career in general? This goal, or this weekend, I think goal number one is to, A, we wanna finish, because mm -hmm. <laughs> with development cars, that's always goal number one. Yeah. Finish, come home in one piece, and you know, put some respectable lap times down. It doesn't really matter where we place right now because we're kind of not really classified anyway, mm -hmm. um, but we want to find out how competitive the car actually is. So mm -hmm. if we can see proper lap times, that gives us a better idea of things. Um, and then goals for me personally, um, I am going to be stepping into my first GT4 race oh. in a few weeks from now. Very exciting. Which I'm really excited about. Um, out in England, actually, I'll be oh. at Donington Park. Nice. So. What kind of car is that gonna be? Not allowed. Not to allowed say to say. Yet. Yes. That makes it even more exciting. I know, yeah. and I really want to say, yeah, yeah. but it's not public knowledge yet. So I that can whisper it to you later. Yeah, yeah, that's exciting. That's exciting. <laughs> um, it's a GT4 car, though, and um, I'm very excited about that. I have been very fortunate to get involved with an organization called Formula Woman, mm -hmm. where they were looking specifically for female drivers. Mm -hmm. um, and we have a five-year goal of having an all-women's team at 24 Hours of Le Mans. Sweet. So I'm working with them now, and we're gonna see how far we can go. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm really excited about that. I've been training really hard. It's been working out twice a day, spending every day on the simulator, so. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I want to do well. That's and awesome. Show the world what I'm made of for That's that. That's awesome. Alana. Yeah. Uh, you're a woman. <laughs> Clearly, yes. And you're in motorsport. <laughs> uh, tell us about your experience as a woman in motorsports. Yeah, so um, my experience was funny because being raised in a car family and being put into the industry by my dad, um, I never really thought twice about the fact that I was the only woman at the track. When did you start? You started racing 11? At 11. I did one season of karting when I was seven, okay. but I don't really count it because my dad tried to teach me what a racing line was. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I know how to drive. Mm -hmm. And I got dead last yeah. every single yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. So we don't count that season. Yeah. <laughs> I was just out there for fun. Um, but 
yeah, I there was a few other girls that raced with me at the oval track. And then when I switched over to dirt, then I was almost always the only one. There's mm -hmm. not that many women in dirt track yet. Um, and I think that I was very fortunate to have a really respectful, wonderful group of people that I raced with that mm -hmm. like, I never felt like I got treated differently because I was a woman. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it's kind of cool because there's more and more women getting into the industry. Like it, it's been a while since I was the only woman at the racetrack now. Like mm -hmm. the last race that I went to, I think there was five or six other women out there. That's great. Yeah. Um, and what's really interesting that I find about like finding other car women is we all like, we get so excited to see each other. Mm -hmm. Like, so this organization that I'm racing with in England, Formula Woman, um, we've been doing boot camps with them. And I went to England to do some intensive training for a week with them. And there was four of us driving from Silverstone to Cadwell Park in a car, like jamming to Taylor <laughs> Swift. And I'm like, I don't think I've ever been in a car with like, three other women uh -huh. driving from one racetrack to another racetrack, but we all know every word uh -huh. to all of the same songs. That's like, awesome. It's, it was kind of cool. Yeah. I'm like, oh, you guys get it. Yeah. Um, and you've probably never done that with a bunch of male drivers, right? No. Jamming to Taylor Swift on the way to a track. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I don't know if You don't that really happens. get that yeah, experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just not the same. Yeah. Um, but it's really cool. Like, I've had a very positive experience. A lot of the women that I've encountered are so supportive and just happy to see someone else out there yeah. doing the same thing um but yeah yeah so at what point in your racing career did you think oh wait there are not a lot of other women around here are there not a lot of other girls around here was there a point where you kind of realized like oh wait i am the minority out here um I think I kind of like always knew it, mm -hmm. but never saw an issue with yeah. it, I guess. Because yeah. um, it was kind of cool. Like no matter where I finished, I always had like the the wives and the daughters yeah. coming to hang out with me. Yeah. I always had like hero cards to sign. That's awesome. Um, so yeah, I always felt a lot of support all along. Um, I did always feel like there was a part of me that had to behave better than mm -hmm. everyone else because I was always scared that like oh, you know guys pop off and have a temper tantrum and that's just him or mm -hmm. whatever and everyone looks the other way where I've always had this like subliminal fear that mm -hmm. if I were to freak out like that yeah. then I'd get written off as like oh you're just a crazy woman or yeah. something like that so I've been it definitely has influenced me that I've been as well behaved as possible mm -hmm. um which it shouldn't have to be that way, but yeah. it's definitely been part of like how my, I guess my racing personality has developed. Do you think that that's unique to racing in your life or is that true as a woman in general? Because the reason I ask that is because I've heard that in the workplace also, yeah. where it's, hey, I can't behave a certain way as a woman because then that is interpreted a certain way. Whereas if it was a guy, it's just like, oh, that's fine. You know? Yeah. So I didn't know if you were experiencing that outside of that or if you were specifically only seeing that at the track. So, or, or feeling that way at the track, I guess. Yeah, I think that the track was maybe where it was the most prominent for okay. me, but absolutely, I think that women experience it in all industries. Yeah. Um, 
So, yeah, it's a little bit frustrating yeah. that you're like, I have to be better behaved than you? Why do I always yeah. have to be the bigger person? You have to be ladylike, right? Even yeah. on the racetrack. No, it's terrible. So that's, that brings us to a great segue into what advice would you give to girls or women looking to get into racing? Yeah. Because there are obviously obstacles to overcome. For, well, for any racer there are. Finances, you know, time, all different kinds of things. But it's probably harder for a woman to get into racing. So what advice do you have for a girl or a woman who's looking to get into the sport? Um, I mean... People are already starting to prove that women are just as, if not more, capable. Mm -hmm. I am seeing so many women dominate mm -hmm. their fields. Um, we just have to be given the chance, yeah. you know? And I've also heard that, like, women have faster reaction times anyway. So perhaps that I makes us it. more... I believe it. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I guess as for my advice, um, am I allowed to swear on your I, I would welcome <laughs> it, yes. Um, I would definitely say take no shit. Okay. Like... Times are getting better. Mm -hmm. I rarely, like, I feel like I'm put in uncomfortable circumstances less and less often, but they do still happen sometimes. Mm -hmm. um, and I used to just, like, brush it off, look the other way, and just be like, it's not worth dealing with that. Mm -hmm. But it is worth dealing with it mm -hmm. because if you're the one to say something about it, even if it does make you a little uncomfortable, you might mm -hmm. be preventing the next person from being uncomfortable. And yeah, things got better for me when I started clapping back. That's good, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a little uncomfortable at first, but then you actually do feel good about yourself for like, no, they don't have a right to disrespect me. They don't have yeah. a right to say something like that. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's, you can, you can educate people firmly yeah. without being mean. Yeah. Like, and I think, I think that's important because, you know, some of us are just dumb. You know what I mean? <laughs> we just need to be reminded like, oh, yeah, that's probably not okay to say. Yeah. You know, and hopefully we learn from that and we get better. So I hope that it's getting, I mean, you're saying it's getting better. So I hope that it's yeah. getting that way for all women in racing. Um, so it sounds like you have been a little bit of a uh, role model in, to some extent. It, 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 how do you feel about being a woman in racing and showing that other girls can do this too. But has there been any experiences like that where you feel like, hey, like, yeah, you can do this because I'm doing it. It's been pretty cool, actually. It's not something that like I ever set out to do. Like I know a lot of people out there are like, my mission is to pave the way for other people. Mm -hmm. I just wanted to play race cars. Yeah. <laughs> my whole mission was I wanted to be driving a race car. Yeah. But the more that it's naturally coming to me and I have people saying like, hey, you inspired me to do this. Like, it's a really cool feeling mm -hmm. and it's very cool to know that I'm actually making an impact on people. Um, so yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I like it a lot. That's I never, cool. I never set out to want to do that. Yeah. But now that I am doing it, I'm like, okay, I want to do more of this. Yeah, that's I cool. I want to help people, yeah. That's good. So. So what, I mean, obviously, other than just treating people equally, what can the rest of us do who are not racers do to support women in racing? Um, I mean, anyone in a corporate position mm -hmm. can definitely help with um, sponsorship. One of the biggest struggles, like the hardest part of being a race car driver, whether you are male or female, mm -hmm. is finding funding, yeah. um, but it is proving to still be much more difficult for women, okay. um, just because that kind of corporate structure hasn't changed yeah, yet, yeah. and um, 
yeah, being open to the idea of sponsoring a woman and recognizing that, to be honest, right now, we might even be more marketable. Yeah. Not yeah. going to lie. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, I, I just generally being an advocate at all times, it's you don't have to go on a pedestal to say like, we're rallying for rights, but yeah. even shutting up a comment behind closed doors, that probably actually does more good yeah. in the long run. Yeah. So. You just want to race and have fun like everybody else. I just yeah. want to play race car with, yeah. with my race car you friends. Just, you just want to win. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think that's awesome. And props to your dad for yeah. getting you into this and you know getting behind the wheel of this. And uh, so disappointed in my dad. He never <laughs> didn't support me. Well, it's interesting, actually. I didn't know. I didn't even know I would be into this. But I, yeah. I, if, if I had known then, I would have said, hey, I need a sim racer. I need a go-kart, mm -hmm. you know? But, yeah. It's, it's funny, actually, because... Um, I feel like some people don't think that I'm saying it as genuinely as I am when someone in their 20s or 30s or 40s, even their 50s, are just getting into motorsports now. And I say I have so much respect and so much admiration for that because it's hard. Mm -hmm. Like, I recognize how incredibly privileged I am that I was in a go-kart before I could ride a bike. Yeah. You know, like, I was just... I had it handed to me on a silver platter. Yeah. If I wasn't raised that way, I don't know how I would have gotten into it. And that's why I am a big enabler. I want to help people get into it because I rec like, yeah, I don't know how I would have done it. And yeah. I think that the people who are willing to take that leap, that's something that they should be proud of. That's cool. So you're also saying it's never too late to get started. Never. Good. Yeah. Like, I mean, all of our ships have sailed for F1 already, yeah, but... Yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> can't you be 40 and start F1? I don't think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Depends on how rich can't you are. Can't you be uh, massively overweight and still... No, probably not. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it, like, I think that everyone should get into it. Yeah. That, and that's part of what we do at, at our club where mm -hmm. I work at. Um, we have a lot of people that it was always a bucket list thing for them to drive a race car or just drive on a racetrack. Mm -hmm. And now they... They're settled enough in their career. They have the money. But how does anyone yeah. get into this? Where do you start? Where yeah. do you start? Yeah. Um, so that's what we do. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Alana, it has been a delight having you here. Thank you. I mean, this I literally awesome. just met you, and I feel like I know you so much better now. <laughs> and it's been fun talking to you, and you have an inspiring story and a fun story. And I'm excited to follow you here and in England and wherever else your career takes you. So uh, just tell us real quick where we can follow you, where, where people can follow you if they want to keep an eye on Oh, yeah. Um, I'm probably most active on my Instagram. So my Instagram is alana.carter. Um, and follow me on there. And okay. I will be posting my racing adventures there. Okay, cool. And we'll get to see what that uh, GT4 car is at some point? Yes. Awesome. It will be revealed soon. That's exciting. It's very, <laughs> very cool. Well, I just want to thank Alana for coming out. I know you flew in for this race specifically. You found time for us to do a quick interview. Um, thank you for talking to us about women in racing, which mm. we, is something we, I think is really important. Um, good luck this weekend at thank the track. Uh, we, we wish you the best. Um, and that's the end of this episode of the, what do we call it? Bolts and Volts. Good job. Volts and Bolts Bolts podcast and bolts. Nice. Uh, brought to you by Hypercraft. <laughs> and we'll see you for the next one. And we will have an update on Alana at that point. So anyway, we'll see you guys next time and have a good one. Bye.